great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Into the Great Scott Show, coming at you on a Monday. How's everybody doing out there? Glad to have you with me this morning, despite the fact that everything is... Lynn, what did you do? Lynn, what did you do? Everything in the studio is wigging out. Every computer's off. I might be multitasking here, guys, but I'm always multitasking, right? It's a one-man show. Maybe I say that, and yet it's not. It's you guys. It's the listeners. It's the guests. we got some good guests lined up this morning. We've got Gary Broadhead, Rage Occasional Women's Basketball Coach. We've got John Hendricks, the Sports Illustrated, covering the Saints, among other things. Jay Walker's in the studio with me this morning. <clears throat> Brian Kelly. I mean, where else are we going to start? Brian Kelly is the head coach at Notre Dame. Until he isn't. Until just just as everyone predicted, Brian Kelly, the next head coach at LSU. That thing just came out of nowhere. And the reaction to it was, first of all, there there was some amazing jokes on Twitter that were really, really funny. But the reaction to it was very polarizing. Across the board, you saw, man, what an incredible hire. He's the winningest coach in in college football currently. Okay? Man won a national title, but he is. In fact, I've been saying about Notre Dame for a while that the problem with Notre Dame is that over the last 10 years, People that say they're overrated are, are only comparing them to the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the world, you know, sort of the best of the best. And they're not quite there. They're just one small tier below it. One small tier below it, which is really, really good. They've been outside of like the top of the top. They've been one of the best, most consistent teams of college football over the last decade. They've had a lot of success. And before that, they were perpetually overrated. But let's not act like the guy hasn't had tremendous on-field success. He has. Oh, SEC, SEC. He's beat some ranked teams, too. Yes, it's different when you're not in the SEC. But everyone that says, I mean, what kind of schedule? It's the, what did, you want, did, did you want, Scott, well, we're to hire someone out of the SEC? It's the only place you're going to get somebody that's coached against an SEC schedule. His last five years at Notre Dame, 10 and 3, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 1. 12 seasons there. Winning his active coach in college football. Now, that being said, eh, he does, you know, it, it feels like Brian Kelly and LSU in terms of, you know, fit or or let's let's say personality fit. Put it that way. 
you know, it seems like it goes together like peanut butter and onions. That, that's that's what it feels like. It, go, it just it doesn't feel like the right fit. Now, if someone told you, well, peanut butter and onions, you eat some of those, and it'll add many, many, many years to your life. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. It'd take me a while to get used to it. Sounds kind of gross. Some of you are saying, hell no, I'd never eat a peanut butter and onion sandwich. I don't care how much it would add to my life. Winning adds years to your life in college football. Winning is the top. What is the most precious value in life? Forget about football for a minute. What is the number one commodity in life? I'll tell you what it is, guys. It's time. This life God has given us, I'm grateful for mine. I hope you're all grateful for yours. The most value commodity we have is time. Time for family, friends, love. All these things. So when I said, what's the most valuable commodity in life? You named all those things. Well, what gives you all those things? Time. So yeah, you'd eat peanut butter and onion sandwiches if you felt like it was going to give you time. The most valuable commodity in college football is winning. And so while Brian Kelly probably would look weird trying to peel a crawfish, if he wins, it really won't matter. LSU will try to make him some personality he's not. The fan base will turn him into something probably he's not. And yet if he's winning, it won't matter. But man, that that personality, if he doesn't win, um, yeah, it's going to be weird. He's 60 years old. Hey, Scott, I mean, it wasn't like Nick Saban's personality fit at all when LSU hired him. LSU was in a different place in the year of our Lord, 1999, December of 1999. And Nick Saban was also in his 40s. So I, I, I get why people go to that comparison. All I know is that Brian Kelly, the reaction was, I figured it would be an explosion one way or the other. It was, there was no in-between. There was love, there was hate. There was no in-between. It was wild, man. It was wild. But here we are. $15 million a year. Reportedly, they're paying what seventeen million to Coach O, roughly to go away. Thirty-two million in a in a in a year for a college football coach. Yep, line it up. Everybody with the takes of oh yeah, but you can't make the players employees. And how can a player? Brian Kelly sent a text to his Notre Dame team last night. His Notre Dame team, and I don't know what he sent to his recruits because he's been recruiting a top four class in the country year to year as of late. But saying, you know, I'm sorry you had to find out this way. We're going to meet for a team meeting in the morning. I apologize. I want to talk to you. And all the takes come out. Man, it's wrong. It's messed up. It's messed up. Why can a coach leave when a kid commits to him? Why can't he? 
you know, as Coach Billy Napier was telling me yesterday on this show, getting emotional. You know, when when, when you're a head coach and you leave and go somewhere else, it's hardest on the younger players. And he meant it. But I think the outrage, and I'll definitely put it in quotes. It's not a real outrage. The quote, outrage, end quote, of... Well, I mean, if a coach can just walk away, you know, why are you asking players to? Well, you got the transfer portal now, and you don't have to sit out for a year if you do it one time, and and, and all and all that other stuff, and that's fine. But really, I don't blame a coach either, guys. You can win games and be two years removed from a national championship and be under contract for a long time, and <laughs> you're out of here. Yeah, the difference is maybe you have a big buyout so you get paid to leave. I get it. But my point is, if you're a coach that loves coaching college football and you could be fired at any time, you know, it's like when you look at players in the NFL, there's no guaranteed contracts. I mean, you can, get, you can sign a contract, but you can be cut at, some, at any point. Really, if you want to blame someone, if you are, quote, outraged, end quote, at the idea that a coach can get up and leave another contract or players can enter the transfer portal, all this other stuff. Blame the whole powers that be at college football. Blame the schools. Blame the ADs. Blame the agents who drive up the price of all that stuff. If you want to be outraged, blame someone other than either the kids or the coach. The system in place currently has led to where we are now. It has evolved to where we are now. And where we are now is... College football, billion-dollar industry. Brian Kelly, the 60-year-old coach of Notre Dame, who's had a ton of success at Notre Dame. People are getting their jokes off. Some LSU fans are ticked off. Others are super excited. Oh, Lincoln Riley didn't want to be in the SEC. He was a wuss. Oh, I love it. Brian Kelly wants to smoke. He wants to fight. You are going to talk yourself into or out of the high regardless of who it was. And if you're opposed to LSU, you are going to talk yourself into or out of a joke regardless of what it was. Because the fact of the matter is none of you know how he will do. The truth is he has won and he has won a lot. Now, again, fit. It's kind of like peanut butter and onions. And if you don't get a certain fit with a culture, I think the difference with, let me say this, like you have examples. Like Scott Satterfield didn't feel like a fit with Louisville. Tom Herman didn't feel like a fit with Texas culturally. Oh, yeah, but he had been there before. There is a certain personality. Some can rise above it, doesn't matter where you are, right? Regardless of the culture, regardless of the fit, you're good to go. You're going to have success. But whenever you can win and you can go together like peanut butter and jelly instead of peanut butter and onions, works out better. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to add that great commodity to your lifetime, the most valuable commodity with peanut butter and jelly instead of peanut butter and onions? I guess, but if PB&J isn't available, guess what? You can eat those peanut butter and onions. And for Scott Woodward, he feels like this peanut butter and onion sandwich is going to give him the ultimate commodity in college football, which is winning. I suppose. I suppose. 
We'll see how Brian Kelly does. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Now at 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM. And the ESPN Lafayette app streaming worldwide. Those of you listening via the app, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Brian Kelly's already changed his Twitter handle. He's head coach, LSU. He's go Tigers, Baton Rouge, even though LSU hasn't officially made a hire yet. Still waiting on a couple of these computers to warm up. I am uh, scheduled to have Coach Broadhead on here in a little bit, but if we can't get the computer going, I'm going to have to push that interview back a little bit to later this morning. My apologies to Coach. I usually record with Coach on Mondays and play it uh, after the fact. Play it on a Tuesday. That's when I'm scheduled to have the coaches on. Bob Marlin was traveling this week. And uh, if we can't get this computer revved up soon, we'll, uh, we'll play that broadhead interview a little bit later john Hendricks is set to join me live it's not pre-recorded so we'll be able to, at least at least a phone line is working right now 337-269-1077 uh, and john Hendricks, saints writer for sports illustrated scheduled to join me at uh, 7 30 let's take a quick phone call before we uh before i can see if i can run a commercial break here good morning welcome into the show uh good morning what's up I was thinking more along the lines of boiled crawfish and prune juice. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use, uh, there's, there's, there's plenty there. But if, but a boiled crawfish and prune juice gives you, uh, gives you extra life, you're gonna, you're gonna peel it, then you're gonna take a sip. Yeah, and then you're gonna run to the bathroom. I'm sorry, that guy. That guy. Uh, how come every picture of that guy looks like he's, he's, you know, is dying for some X lax? It's his, it's his resting, it's his resting face. You know, it just, it looks me. He, he, he's like, I, and I'm not saying he's, he's Bill Belichick or anything. He has won a ton, um, but. He's he kind of takes yeah. the he takes that approach to football, like he's running a business, yeah. right? Like it's it's all extremely business like. But you you know you rarely right. see the yeah. head of the company smiling when they're running a business, even when they're running it well. It's kind of like no time to smile. What are you talking about? We got work to do. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, what, what, what do you have to look like? You gotta you know pinch one off. Uh, at 24 hours now, now, see, what are you, mean, why, why, are you, why are you putting these thoughts in my head, Kyle? What is, it's too early for this. What are you doing? You, now, now, now I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to think about defecating every time I see him. What you're doing. He looks like no. He looks like you stove up. He looks like you can't get get rid of it. And it's and it's just. I mean, he's on a roller coaster, about to go over the edge constantly. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's like it's like a, a horror show. But anyway, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, of course, I, I can tell you, he's Newt Rockney this morning. He is Newt freaking Rockney. And, and you know, LSU fan is loving him. I'll say this. In my world, it's very mixed. There is no in-between. There are some that are thrilled. Oh. There are others that are saying, what is going on here? So. Yeah. 
Well, you're dealing with a younger demographic, okay? I'm dealing with the I'm dealing mostly with the forty, definitely with the forty and over crowd. Oh, hey, and they, I got you know, I got I got I got relatives on my in laws side that 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 you know there is a branch of those who played and and at one point coached and have strong ties to LSU, and they are older than me, and I would say more positive than negatives, but there's a few in there that are like, huh, what? Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm just thinking. You know, how does this guy go into the house of a of a 17 year old in Gentilly or you know in uh, Street Bossier City hey, or somewhere? I, I I I don't know, Cal, but I know this: he is recruited nationally at Notre Dame and got good players to go to South Bend. Whereas the guys before, yeah. you know, between he yeah. and Holtz, let's be honest, Notre Dame was not good. And he was able okay. with he was able with recruiting. So look, you've got advantages at Notre Dame, but you also have some more hurdles to clear, right? With academics and other things. And he was able to look. He's he's recruited extremely well there. So uh, yeah, I, I I was cracking up at the jokes of him. You know, what's but, he going to do yeah, but, when 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 Grandma offers him gumbo and he's you know choking yeah. and coughing and everything? But the reality is, he's yeah. been a great recruiter at Notre Dame. Fact is fact. Well, here's here's the deal. The Pope recruits Notre Dame. Okay, you you it's it's like John Smith recruiting BYU. You, you you're not going to compete with John Smith or the Pope. It's it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, he he, so, he he he. Look at the previous guys in Notre Dame. He recruited extremely well. The the previous what? The previous coaches at Notre Dame before Brian Kelly. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, well, he, well, yeah. But pope, I mean, the, I mean I, unless the Pope hated him, that, I mean, and the Pope well, doesn't well, hate anybody. Well, no, no, the Pope, no, the Pope well, loves let's, mankind. Let's visit this. Let's visit that for a second, okay? The man got a six hundred percent raise. Okay, he got a six hundred percent raise leaving Notre Dame to come to LSU. Maybe Notre Dame should have paid. I mean, they weren't paying him. Maybe they should have paid their other coaches in English dollars. I mean, when you when you're when you're paying at that kind of a clip, you don't deserve to have women football coaches when you're when you're competing against the rest of the country and you're Notre Dame and you're putting uh, the hundreds of the hundreds of millions of dollars I mean, so a year in the bank. Two point six seven mil annually, and uh, a week ago he's like, "I'm never going anywhere." Well, when someone g- says, "I yeah. actually give you a fifteen million," like, oh, I, I guarantee you, they they called the Pope and got uh, whatever you want to call it. They got they got his blessing All to right. come over there. <laughs> He'll be able to tithe more than he made last year. Thank you, God. So, all right. Well, anyway, the bottom line is, I just I think it's kind of it's it's a little weird, uh, you know. So we'll just it'll be fun. Hey, it, I don't see it being overly interesting, but just the result of it's going to be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting, and unless you, if they're nothing else, they keep it interesting. Appreciate it, Later. man. Thank you. All right. ESPN Lafayette. John Hendricks coming up in 10 minutes. We'll talk. I'll get his thoughts on this a little bit. John's a little younger than me. He's in the sports world. We're going to talk Saints with him. We'll also talk about this Brian Kelly hire. Jay Walker will be in in the 8 o'clock hour. We will be talking to him about the Brian Kelly hire, Napier, where UL goes next, all kind of good stuff. That is coming your way in the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, 
my conversation. Still, still working on a few things in the studio. Um, can't play any, can't play any advertisements yet, and we certainly want to thank our great advertisers of this station that keep the lights on, that keep the station rolling. Uh, I do have my interview. Found a different file of it from yesterday, of uh, my chat, my weekly chat with Coach Broadhead. A chat with Coach for about uh, six or seven minutes, and not just about his team, but how a football coach at any university, the impact they can play on the women's sports at that university and what it was like working with Billy Napier and his message to Billy as he will uh, will exit for Florida here very soon. That's uh, this interview right here. It is my chat with Gary Broadhead. We got John Hendricks after that. Keep it locked in. This is the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette. Here is my combo with Coach Broadhead. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. It is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, head coach of Louisiana Rage Cajun women's basketball team. They are 5-1. and one. They got a win on Sunday, a double-digit road win at McNeese, a place that our, uh, our guest now is very familiar with, that being Coach Gary Broadhead. Good morning, Gary. How's life? How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Appreciate you coming on, man. The, um, you know, a, a victorious week. I know um, it was, I want to go back to the game in, in Hammond last week, the, the night before Thanksgiving. Talk about hard fought. You know, you got the win on the road, but a, a two-point win. What was the biggest key for you in that one? You know, I thought we defended. We made some stops toward the end, you know, and I thought that was a big part of what we were trying to do. You know, we, uh, you know, we were trying to turn them over. We, 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 both teams were, you know, kind of sloppy with the ball pretty much uh, throughout the game. But, uh, you know, that was the biggest thing. Could we make some stops? You know, they were picked to win uh, Southland this year, and they, you know, got a little bit of height. They can shoot the ball, and I thought we did a really, really good job on the defensive side. Uh, you know, we still got to get better rebounding, but I thought we defended their three-point uh, shooters really well, and even their inside game. So I was pleased. You know, keeping them, I think they were averaging over seventy a game, and you know, to keep them in the fifties was was pretty big for us. Yeah, Gary Broadhead, our guest, and then the the win on Sunday in McNeese, a place you've had plenty of experience at. Uh, what was the number one key for you in that one? You know, I, you know, going into the game, McNeese, you know, has got a, a whole new system, and you know what they're trying to do, and they're, you know, they're again three-point shooters, and you know, they, I mean, they're shooting 25 a game, and you know, that was our key was could we get out and 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 pressure the ball? You know, we we actually pressed the whole game. You know, it was not a we didn't press, and I thought we did a great job of picking up shooters and. You know, they didn't shoot it very well, and uh, I think we had a lot to do with it, you know, covering out on them. And, uh, you know, at the end of the game, they hit a few shots, uh, but, uh, you know, the game was kind of over at that point. But I thought we did a a really good job of covering out on their shooters. And, you know, actually on the offensive side, did a pretty good job of getting the ball inside and uh, and running, and that was one of the keys. You know, we wanted to make the game a little bit faster. They wanted to play a half-court game. We were trying to get it to be a full-court game, and I thought we controlled the tempo pretty good. Lene Wheaton, Coach, I've talked to you about a number of your players week to week. I think last week we were kind of hitting on Destiny Rice, but 
You know, Linnea is someone that, that came to you from Old Dominion, um, and the guard from Arkansas, starting to see her. I think fans are starting to notice her more and more and the impact she has for you in that game in Lake Charles on Sunday. Uh, I know she didn't technically start, but I think she played, you know, 30-plus minutes for you. What What is what does she mean to your team, and, and where where do you feel like, boy, if she improves right here, it's going to be huge for us? Yeah, I mean, I think you know she's a she's a she's a scorer. You know, she maybe not be the uh, you know a great outside shooter, but she's like more of a jump shooter, penetrator, and she does everything under control. You know, she doesn't she doesn't rush things. We always talk about rushing is not a good is not a good term when you're talking about basketball. You know, you want to be patient and you want to take your time and be under control, and that's what she does. You know, offensively, she's really really good at that and finding people she can pass and something that we've, you know, we've been missing uh, for the last couple of years. And, you know, her and D rice bring that, that, that calmness to, uh, to us and all that. And I think she's just got to improve on the defensive side. You know, it seems like it's, it's different to coach her because it seems like she doesn't have a sense of urgency, but she does. She's just so calm with it. And on the defensive side, it looks kind of bad for us. You know, we're, we're trapping and we're trying to be aggressive and she just kind of nonchalantly does it, you know. And I think that would be the thing for me is she can continue to get better defensively, uh, you know, and, and, and feel more comfortable on the offense. Uh, I think she's going to help us a lot. Coach Gary Broadhead, Rage Kid, women's basketball coach, our guest, Louisiana 5-1. and one. They will host Xavier of New Orleans uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night at the Cajun Dome, 545 pregame. We'll have it for you on our airwaves at ESPN Lafayette, 1420 on the AM, 1033 on the FM as uh, they look to win their sixth game. And then Sunday, you got a big one uh, at Houston uh, at 2 o'clock, and we'll have that one for everybody as well. But, you know, uh, Coach, it's you've got, I think, four non-conference games left before you get into conference play. What's what's a question that you don't have answered right now that you you ideally would love to have answered about your team by the time conference play tips off at the end of this month? You know, with Brandy Williams out, uh, we need to try to find some scoring from that guard play. You know, and you know we have some potential. Uh, you know, Alicia Blanton's been out, uh, the little freshman that started uh, against UNO, and then she's been out a little bit. So you know, we've been kind of you know moving our lineups around. Who's going to do some scoring from? from that perimeter uh, spot, you know, I think inside, you know, with Ty said we know that we can get that from her, but how are we going to, you know, able to score? Is it Lene Witten or, you know, Diamond Morrison has been playing a little bit more and, you know, who's going to be that person that's going to step up and, and, and do some scoring. May make Hallman did a good job last night for us. We just need some consistency from that. And I think these games are going to be big for us. Uh, I, I feel that we're getting a little bit more comfortable with, uh, with Brandy being out uh, the last couple of games uh, have been a little struggle, but the, you know, uh, the last two games have been a little bit better. And I think these next four games, if we can get somebody comfortable in there and, you know, get that rot- rotation right before we get into conference, it's going to be big for us. Coach Gary Broadhead has been our guest. I talked to you last week. You, you, you said that, you know, the sweet potato, I don't know, crunch, casserole, whatever you want to call it, the the nice side dish that everyone loves at Thanksgiving. You said that was your favorite Thanksgiving. You got to report back to us. Did you get some of it? I mean, did you have some oh, on the last did I Thursday? Get it. Oh, look, there was none left, neither, you know. And I loved it so much, I ended up going to uh, Roots on Saturday and getting some more, man. I tell you what, it, 
it's like you said, it was a dessert. So, yeah, it was very, very good. We had a very good Thanksgiving, you know, family and everybody. Yeah, but, yeah, it was great, man. It awesome. was uh, There was none left for sure. I'm glad to hear that, Coach. My final question for you, I know when we talk, our focus is women's basketball, and, and this question will, I guess, come back to women's basketball. Um, coach Billy Napier has done a good job as the football coach at UL, and uh, he is going to be the next head football coach at Florida. He'll still coach the team this Saturday, but – you sold us something a few weeks ago after one of your games about the other coaches at the university and when they support women's athletics, sort of the difference it makes. And they might not realize, maybe some realize, maybe some don't, I guess, the impact. Uh, what, what was your relationship like with Coach Napier? And and was he able to lift the profile of your program a little bit and, and just draw more attention, more eyes, more ears to the sport that you love, Coach, which is women's basketball? No doubt, you know, the great thing about Coach Niffer, he's got a couple of kids, you know, and uh, I know at one time he was having a little bit harder time getting uh, the kids into the bitty program because it gets full so quick, and, you know, he made a call, uh, and we I made a call for him, and, you know, he was able to get his kids into the bitty program, so he, he understood uh, youth sports, and he understood Acadiana, but I think the biggest thing for me is he could sell the brand. And the brand was uh, uh, doing it the right way. You know, I think he, he showed Cajun people that you do things the right way. Uh, good things will come to our area, to our university. I mean, and I, to me, that was the biggest thing. He didn't just win, but he won the right way. And when you can do that, you know, and we, we preach it all the time with our program, what are we doing the right thing? Are we continuing to grow our program the right way? And, I think that was the biggest thing for me is, you know, Billy, Billy Napier is not only a winner, but he's uh he, he, he takes pride in what, in the way he does things. And I think that we were very, very blessed to have someone like that come through our athletic program. And he sold the brand. I mean, the raging can great raging Cajun brand is, is, is being sold every day, you know, and, and it's been sold the right way. So, you know, he's gone from one swamp to maybe a little bit bigger swamp. And so, you know, we kind of handed him over, and he knows how to handle it. So uh, there's no doubt that he's going to be really great in his career. And, you know, we're just thankful that uh, we had him here to help us grow our athletics. Coach Gary Broadhead, Rage Cajun Women's Basketball Coach, has been our guest. Louisiana tomorrow night, Wednesday night at the Cajun Dome, hosting Xavier of New Orleans, 6 o'clock tip. We'll have it on the airwaves for you at 545. But get out there, support the team and uh, and be loud coach i appreciate the time as always i'm um i'm glad you uh you didn't you know i guess hospitalize yourself with all the sweet potato casserole you ate i'm sure it caused a couple of naps though but i always appreciate you taking the time man all the best and uh we'll chat again on these airwaves next week sounds great thanks god go cajuns all right that is my combo with gary broadhead i have fixed the computer here in the studio and we will take a quick timeout. Back in three minutes, John Hendricks talking Saints with us. Sports Illustrated writer covering the Saints for Saints News. And uh, we're going to talk, get his thoughts on on the Brian Kelly hire at LSU, among other things. We'll have open phone lines later. Jay Walker in studio at 8. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S, to the P, to the N. The best ticket in sports. Sports. 
Got y'all dancing on a Tuesday morning. Sending out the month of November the right way. The best local sports talk on Bayou. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, my boy, Johnny Hendricks, the lead Saints writer and reporter for Saints News over at Sports Illustrated Podcast host for Believe Saints. And he is my guest now while he is... uh, on dad duty, on the road, multitasking. That's what you do when you have young ones, John. We all we, we know all too well, right? That's right, man, and good morning. Thank you for uh, the nostalgia, man. I felt like I was back on the bus in high school listening to Intergalactic. <laughs> good stuff, man. Um, you know, multitasking, that's uh, that's something I think any, any coach has to do as well. And, yes, we're going to get into the Saints, and I know the Saints are your focus, but – I mean, you're, you're you frequent um, various apps and social media sites, and you know a lot of people in the business covering sports. So, from a fan and reporter standpoint, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the reaction to Brian Kelly being the next head coach at LSU. What was your initial thoughts uh, last night, and, and how do you feel about it today? <laughs> well, I had to do the double and triple take, right? And so, um, you know, I was really surprised. Uh, to see somebody I didn't even think he would be a guy that would le- have left, to be honest with you. And then, you know, just seeing a lot of varying takes, some really good, some, you know, not so good because of some of the things that happened, I guess, at Notre Dame. But, you know, look, LSU gets their man, I guess, if you will. And uh, 10 years, $100 million, that's a lot of commitment. And so, um, you know, you hope to see some results there. Uh, you know, LSU and Notre Dame have met in the past. I know – their name was a team that kind of gave LSU fits at sometimes, but I guess you got to be happy there. I mean, they've got somebody that can play ball and coach. So, uh, you know, uh, we, I thought it would have been Lincoln Riley, but hey, I can't be upset with the hire. It's weird, you know. It's it's on one hand, the the results are extremely the, the reaction rather is extremely polarizing. I said it's it, you know he kind of goes together with LSU like it's like a peanut butter and onion sandwich, right? It's not PB and J. But you know what? If you win, like if I told you, John, man, you're going to get a lot of extra time in life if you eat peanut butter and onion sandwiches, you'd probably just eat them. Be like, all right, cool. I'll I'll learn to love them. I mean, it's weird. Like, you know, time is the most precious commodity in life. I think in college football, the most precious commodity is winning. And if he wins, it it doesn't matter if it's weird. But if if you don't win... You know what? You're 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 eating something nasty to begin with. It's not like you're like, well, you know, we're not winning, but I kind of like this part about it. I kind of like that part about it. It's like when you're not a good cultural fit, and then you don't win. It's I mean, look, it's LSU. I mean, if you're losing, the the, the reaction is going to be over the top and ridiculous, and at times uncalled for anyway. But when it's peanut butter and onions instead of peanut butter and jelly, it just I don't know, man. It's it, it. It was like you. I was like, wait, what now? 
they whatever yeah. it, it, in in all this talk like months and eight weeks of oh O's out who are they gonna get who they, you know, Brian Kelly that's how it ended it's so just bizarre man just weird but uh it, it will it will not be boring I'll say that yeah and I think that's the thing and you know again followed LSU a long time obviously you know I consider myself a big fan of them and same thing with you also hats off to Billy Napier for getting a bigger, better things for him, too. But, you know, with LSU, it's just – my question is just how long is the fuse? You know, I mean, how long is – what's going to be acceptable? What's the realistic expectations? Because, I mean, this is a program that has been losing, you know, and uh, after such a high in the national championship. And, you know, what's the tolerance going to be? Are they going to get two, three years into this and there's not revolt? And then suddenly we're at the same thing, buy out, all this other crazy stuff. So that's my only concern is, you know – what what that's going to look like from a short term, long term perspective? Just got to win, man. But uh, yeah, yep. it's a, it's a stunning move, and now you've got all kind of openings, and obviously at, at UL, but other places as well. Like o- the last time, I think I read somewhere the last time Oklahoma and Notre Dame had coach openings in the same year was 1909, uh, or maybe even oh. earlier than that. Maybe that was the last time someone willingly left Notre Dame as head coach. I think that's what that's what I read. <laughs> but the point is, it's just. It's wild. And then if, if a bunch of dominoes fell and Notre Dame somehow got in, uh, which isn't impossible based on what could unfold this weekend, that would be that would be even more kind of crazy and funny. But anyway, John Hendricks is our guest. Uh, John covers the Saints for Sports Illustrated. Taysom Hill, um, it was a, as we shift gears to the Saints, I know fans were like, why is he as the emergency quarterback? Why is he dressed if he's not going to go in? Well, we found out yesterday, plantar fascia, has been holding them back, and you know I'm I am far from a pro athlete, John. I just know when I was running a lot a few years ago, I got a case of it really bad, and I I literally had to use a cane to walk around for about a week. It is it is extremely painful, even for somebody as you know big and strong as Taysom Hill. Back full participant in practice yesterday, it it, it almost feels like to me, and, and and I want your thoughts on this, like. Coach, Coach had him as the emergency quarterback. It wasn't so bad that he couldn't play, but he knew that if he put him out there, it would probably get worse. So he was hoping that he could just rest enough to eventually be back on the field. And now Taysom's going to start on Thursday. What what has been? You've you've had a front row seat. What is your scope and perspective on the Taysom Hill situation over the last month, leading up to what we're expecting to see on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, it's really been a long time, honestly. I mean, you know, you go back to that Washington game where he had that nasty concussion, and, you know, that that set him out a couple of weeks. Then he was able to come back and play against the Titans, got hurt, um, you know, obviously a foot injury, and, you know, you see him working on the sidelines, trying to work things out, and, uh, you know, did as best as he could. But for him to be in this situation, and it had to have been something, you know, at first it seemed like it was ankle-related, but foot-related, and I'll tell you, that particular injury, I've had something to that nature. I don't know if it was because I never went to the doctor. I just managed through. But any type of pain in your foot like that, it's just when you start walking, whether it feels like you're on pins, needles, or just walking on straight pine cones or just a hot coal of fire, that's not a fun injury to deal with. And I know Drew Brees dealt with it a while back. And I know Jimmy Graham also had that injury, too, that he was playing with when he was with the Saints. So, uh, look, but I think – this is a point where it obviously he's not been involved and 
they need him because they've got to win this game. You only have six games left in the season. You have to win at least four of the next six to get in as a potential wild card. And even then, at 9-8, and eight, you still don't really control your own destiny, I feel like, at this point. But, you know, look, turn into Taysom uh, to get some generated uh, offenses, spark generated. I think it's a good move for him. Hopefully he's close to 100% or as close as he's going to be. But all indication with him taking first-team reps and being around practice, I mean, it's not like we're allowed to – report on anything tactical, but, you know, you can tell that he's going to be able to provide a big spark to this offense, and they needed something fierce. Yeah, well, they, they, they needed big time. I mean, being there on Thanksgiving, John, they're announcing the starting lineup, and outside of Armstead, <laughs> McCoy, and Ruiz, and granted, Armstead was playing hurt, and Ruiz is, uh, I, I think... He's he has his moments, but I don't think anyone would say that to this point he's lived up to the first round hype yet. Um, uh, and and my point is, outside of a couple of names, the rest of them, I'm thinking to myself, honestly, like if if the Saints were in the Hall of Fame game, and this was the preseason, you know, opener for the NFL, the most of these guys would be playing like in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't even hyperbole, right? It was like, it's true. I'm like, how are they going to possibly compete with this? And I know a lot of people were mad. And I'm not saying that, that you know, Lattimore's performance and some other things you can point to or you can blame on the health of the team. I Yes, you can look at some individual performances and say, you know, regardless of how healthy or unhealthy the team is, that was bad. But just let's look at it in a vacuum, right? If you had looked at that offense and said, before the season, this is this is gonna be their starting offense against the Bills on Thanksgiving. I, I don't care how big of, of a Saints fan some people are. There's no way they would have thought the Saints would win that game. Like you, I, they're getting more healthy, and it looks like they're gonna have you know uh, a, a, you know I won't say a full deck of cards by any stretch, but more cards in the deck Thursday against Dallas. But I, John, if the offense looks anything like it did against Buffalo from a health standpoint, and Taysom leaves and and more guys get hurt, There's, I don't think there's any way. They have to get guys back if they even want to have a shot Thursday night, no? Yeah, I think so, too. And this is the part of the season where you're going to have a lot of people play through injuries and play hurt, right? I mean, if they can at least be 70% on the field, then they're going to try to play. Um, and, you know, that's the thing is we'll learn after the season that, oh, this player was dealing with a blank and he had off-season surgery or this type of thing. I mean, that's just – how football goes, and I know as fans, a lot of people say, well, this guy's just not doing what he can. But, you know, the reality is you can see a lot more behind the scenes and you'll learn more as it goes. But, again, if you want to make the postseason, you got you have no more margin for error. You don't have a, a luxury of saying, well, I guess I can go in here and lose against Dallas because I'll try to make it up against the Jets because, you know, right behind it, you got Tampa on Sunday night. And then – you still have to play Carolina again, and now that's that's a little bit more in your favor because Christian McCaffrey's gone for the year, and but you still got Atlanta. Atlanta's trying to make a postseason push, and right now I think they're in. And um, you know you still have Miami, who's a team that's surging a little bit. And so I mean, there's not a game on the schedule as you look down these last six and say, man, they they definitely can run the table. This is going to be easy as pie. I mean, the offense is is dead in the water right now. And the defense has had some really, really some scary things like tackling has been a problem, uh, coverage blown, uh, you know, explosive plays not so much, but you know, there's a lot of concern going into there that you know, hey, this 
just can't have any any chips here, and you've got to play your best football, and it starts in Dallas. No doubt about it, man. Uh, fill us in, John. Fill our listeners in the latest. I know it was only you know, one injury report, but what it looks like, at least to this point, the Saints are getting back, what they'll be missing, and then from a Dallas standpoint, they, they could be without a number of people. We don't know all the details of, of the COVID situation. We know a few, but what a lot can change between now and Thursday, I get it. But what might the lineups look like on Thursday night? Well, it, it, it appears anyway it's going to be, I'm not going to say completely level, but a lot closer to a level playing field than what Thanksgiving night was. Yeah, look, I think for starters, you know, Mark Ingram being a full participant is huge. Um, getting Ryan Ramchek and Alvin Kamara back even on a limited basis is a step in the right direction. Toronto Armstead, I'm not too worried about. I mean, he's mostly one of those guys that, you know, when you talk about veteran rest days and things like that, because you got to remember Sunday or yesterday was kind of the, the Wednesday, if you will, with the, the practice and stuff. And Sunday they also had practice and stuff. So, I mean, it's just a lot that goes into it. But, I mean, I think the biggest concern for me is on the defensive end side, you still don't have Marcus Davenport. You still don't have Tano passing on. That's, and you already have Kid Nellis who's not going to be out or going to be out of the game. So, uh, or potentially missing with a hamstring injury. So, again, I think I'm concerned on the pass rush side there uh, as far as Dallas. T.D. Lamb looks like he's going to be playing, coming back from a concussion injury. Not sure on Amari Cooper. Uh, he was around the building, uh, his Cowboys building on Monday. Nico Elliott is a full participant, but, you know, he's apparently nursing an injury. So, I think for the most part, we got to watch and see if they get popped with any more COVID problems because obviously they're not going to have Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn's going to take over. But from a Saints perspective, I mean, it's about as good as you can get right now. I think defense, they're mostly healthy, and an offense is going to be a real wait and see what happens. ESPN Lafayette, John Hendricks is our guest. John, as beat up as this team is on a four-game losing streak, you got Dallas, Tampa on the schedule, some other tough games left. What what are the odds here? I mean, when when you're when you're at five and two, or certainly four and two before the the Jameis injury, but even five and two when you had Simeon come in and and you were still healthy in some areas, you know, it wasn't like what we saw last Thursday. There was a lot of uh, hope and I guess expectation that the team could make a run to the postseason. Now you're on your longest losing streak and. Four years, five years. Um, what are the what are the Saints' odds of getting into the postseason this year? Do you do you think it's a chance here, or if you had to bet, would you probably bet not right now? Uh, I'm still an optimist. I would tell you that. Um, you know, I guess right now I'm more of a seventy thirty guy, maybe on the on the low end a sixty forty guy that they can make it into the playoffs. And look, I, I just feel like if they can get the right pieces back and just have some semblance of offense. I mean, because the thing is, in each of these losses, the same same things have happened. They cannot get off to a good start. They cannot have good sustaining drives. They cannot have a good offensive series. Defensively, they're kind of having to play catch-up. And, you know, I, when I was talking about the Bills last week with some people, I said, as long as they can be within a score going into the final quarter or at halftime, I feel pretty good. And even at 10 nothing at halftime, I thought, okay, this is doable, but – you know, you've seen countless times where this team just can't overcome a big lead. I mean, it's not like you have Drew Brees back there. If you had Drew there, now if I was down 15, 20, I'd feel good about coming back in, in some of those and even potentially winning, but you don't have that. And so, uh, you know, and Trevor Simeon forced a good bit. He, he'll tell you that. He said that a good bit. But, 
you know, right now they have some favorable things on their schedule. They have some favorable matchups, if you will. But again, those are the games that sometimes they tend to lose. So it's going to be a big test. I think we're going to find out everything we need to know about this team against Dallas. And I dare say this is kind of the season here. And I know mathematically they'll still be alive, but if they can't beat Dallas, then I don't feel good about them trying to – they can rally late, but I just don't feel like their odds are going to be in their favor to be able to get into the postseason when you have to rely on so many other people. Yeah, when your margin fair is as slim as it is right now, uh, you lose to Dallas and it's pretty much no margin, and, and good luck with that. So it's a huge game Thursday night, uh, and <clears> – <throat> You know, how healthy will Taysom Hill be? Are they going to have Ingram, Ramchek, Kamara, all that stuff? You mentioned Marcus Davenport. He was having his best time as a pro. I know he's still under contract next year, last year of his rookie deal. A lot of people were talking on social media like, well, do you pay him or not? Well, you don't have to worry about it now, but this is what he is, right? He's like he's like that really – he's like that Ferrari in your garage that the engine, when it's working, man, that thing is nice, but – well, you got to send it to the shop a lot. And so, you know, do you want to you want to invest in something that is kind of uh, a money hole that yeah, I feel like I'm going to be putting a lot of money into fixing this and actually enjoying it? That's what Marcus Davenport feels like when you get him back. You know, he's going to have a big impact. But long term, I mean, you see what Trey Hendrickson's doing in Cincinnati. And, and I know that it might not be fair, but the two will forever be compared to each other. And it just it makes you think it's it's not that Davenport's not an not doesn't have an incredibly high ceiling, John. But bottom line is he just can't stay healthy. You know he has this amazing performance even in losses, and then suddenly oh wait he's on the injury report. Oh wait he's out. Oh wait what? It, it that's just that's Marcus Davenport, and and I don't I don't think there's anything that's ever going to change that. Yeah, look, I mean Sean Payton talks about it a lot. The best availability or best quality is your availability. And when you can't be available, that's always a problem. And look, I, I think that's a big issue that you've had with some of these draft picks that they've had, you know, it's uh, guys like Davenport who haven't been available. You know, I mean, if they, if they're able to play, that's one thing, but when you're having these types of injuries that recurring, and even the Peyton Turner one is getting scrutinized, obviously, because he's not been able to, to be on the field much, and you know, I think he could be a huge boost to this pass rush. But again, this is the boat you're in because going into the season, man, there was the sky was the limit. Davenport was actually able to be in an off-season program for the first time in his career. I mean, just all these things. I mean, you had Cam, you had Tano, who, who I thought I think is, is super underrated, and Peyton Turner. I mean, Carl Granderson. I mean, you had so many guys there, but now. <laughs> You're pretty much depleted, and as far as Davenport, I mean, I know the fifth-year option, they picked it up. Um, I still expect them to obviously deal with that, uh, and, of course, they can get creative. If they wanted to push some of that money into the, the next year to help with the cap, they could do that. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, this is big proving grounds for him, and, you know, unfortunately, when you're not being able to be in the lineup, that's that's just something you got to weigh out is, you know, he's great when he's in the lineup, but you're only going to get him so many times and when it comes to playoff time that's really what it would count the most and so uh you know you wish the best but you're bracing probably for the worst john Hendricks has been our guest follow him on twitter at john j Hendricks. that is Hendricks with a d-r-i-x the spelling at the end of it saints lead writer and reporter for saints news over at sports illustrated great guy great job covering the team 
Great segment, man. I appreciate you joining me as always. Let's do it again soon, all right? Sounds good, Scott. Thanks. Have a good one. You got it. All the best. That is John Hendricks. I'm Scott Prather. Up next, Jay Walker in studio. Brian Kelly to LSU. A lot of, yeah, a lot of money, a lot of chatter, a lot of opinions. We'll discuss that. Also, UL, their coaching situation. Where might they go next? Terrible Tune Tuesday and more. It's all coming your way next hour right here on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show. Closing out November. My guy, Jay Walker's in studio as he is each and every Tuesday with me. Unless I'm not here. Unless he's on the road with UL Sports as he was last week. Good morning. Hi. Been interesting the last two weeks, has it not? Uh, Yeah. College football on the weekend. College football. Here's the thing about college football coaching. It is not. It is not to this point yet. What I hope it doesn't become is those who are more intrigued and interested in the NBA's offseason than they are in the actual games. Like free agency, it becomes this huge thing. And so much discussion is if this guy goes to here and this guy goes to there. And college football isn't there. I mean, the games this past weekend were, were awesome and there was a lot of talk about them. But I've just been, over the last four days, that's what it's felt like anyway. That's what it's reminded me of. And last night, it was another, what? Huh? Brian Kelly's going to LSU. Now, there are a couple things I was saving for this hour with you. Um, one is that we cannot forget that he is responsible for a young man's death, which is which is terrible. Uh, no jokes there, because that's a serious thing. That's, I'll be honest with you, one of the and, things and, that and I look, usually think we, about when I when I see him on TV. Before you before we go any farther, I think you need to explain to some folks who just said, "Wait, he did what?" So, eleven years ago, he, according to uh, an investigation was a party to telling people on his staff that they needed to film a a workout uh, where the weather was like really, really bad. And the wind gusts were up in the 60s. And a 20-year-old videographer, you know, who worked for uh, or with the team went up on this hydraulic lift. There was a female photographer they told not to go up there because it was dangerous. Photographer apparently was scared. His name was uh, Declan and... 
there was in terms of the power structure of, well, if somebody's going to tell him not to do it, it's the man in charge. He ends up on top of it. It tips over. And sadly, at 20 years old, he died as a result of it. Notre Dame was fined for safety violations. Uh, there's some other aspects of the story. That is the that is the Cliff's Notes version. Okay. Did I miss something? Or No, okay. I, I just I just think that there are a lot of people that didn't know what you were talking about. Okay, yes. Sorry. But that, that honestly is something I, I didn't bring up last hour. And I'd be lying if I said it's not something that I, I think about whenever I see him. Um the reaction has been polarizing. On one hand, the guy's the winningest active coach in college football. Uh, He's also the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. There you go. And in in Notre Dame over the last ten years has been consistently really good. What I've said is, people that still say Notre Dame's overrated, you're comparing them to Bama and Ohio State, and in that in in those types of schools, and in that regard, they are. But they're just outside of that. Like he is. He between Holtz and Kelly, Notre Dame had some bad years where yes, they were perpetually overrated. He's had tremendous success at Notre Dame. He runs his program kind of like a business. He has that Bill Belichick approach where he's not really going to smile very often. He's going to be surly, and it's just about it's just about the business of football. Um, he goes together in LSU like a peanut butter and onion sandwich, but. I said this last hour, if someone told you peanut butter and onions could give you, you know, more years on your life, you'd probably learn to enjoy peanut butter and onion sandwiches. And I think time is the most precious commodity in life. And I think in college football, the most precious commodity is winning. So get your jokes off. If he wins, let's let's be real. No one's going to care. Coach O from a cultural fit was fine at LSU. Had the best season ever two years ago. Now he's fired. If he doesn't win, then things... You know, maybe the gas is lit a little more. He's he's not warm and fuzzy, you know. I don't know. It's going to be a very brief honeymoon period. There uh, you go. You know, it because Ed Ogeron, Les Miles, Nick Saban even, all likable guys. You know, they're all likable. Less is it now, but back at right. the time. Correct? Right. Now he's, you know. Yeah, well, no, now he's, yeah, let me go take a shower. But... Back then, I mean, when these guys were first hired, they were very personable people. Mm-hmm. This guy's not. He's not. Um, and and as a result, I don't think anybody's going to warm up to this guy right at the beginning. I think that LSU fans have made their minds up about Brian Kelly. I, and I don't think anything besides winning is going to change any of their minds. And... Every time LSU loses a football game, there will be a segment of the fan base that says we made a mistake. And part of it is because they hired a coach from Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is in the deep south, maybe one of the most hated college football programs that there are. And if you remember... LSU fans were not very pleased when they hired Paul Maneri from Notre Dame. Now, once he won a national championship, that that changed. But Paul Maneri was a likable guy. Very likable. Warm warm and fuzzy. But Brian Brian Kelly is, you know, Colin Cowherd did a thing that I, a, a piece that I saw last night on social media that said, 
LSU's talent and Brian Kelly, they're going to win multiple national championships. And if that happens, nobody's going to care that the guy's somewhat of a jerk. Nobody's going to, they're, they're going to enjoy the peanut butter and onion sandwich. Oh, yeah. Oh, this no. Is delicious. They, they know, they this ain't no is question. Great. There ain't no question. But, but if they lose, you know, I, get this crap out of my mouth. It's disgusting. I, I hoped LSU would go out and hire someone with character um, and someone with integrity. I don't think they've done that. Now, why would why do you think he has zero integrity? Well, I think, you know, first of all, you just told a story. And on top of that, um, you know, he sends out a group text message to his team. Hey, sorry you found out about it through social media. I'll, I'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. I mean, it, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that that's not a bad look. It's extremely difficult to keep certain things under wraps sure. today. Sure, and and I see people comparing it to Petrino when he left the the Falcon. This is not like that. Petrino just left a letter in people's lockers. I, this is uh, let me let me tell you something, Scott. Brian Kelly's a lot closer to Bobby Petrino than he is, for instance, Billy Napier. Well, sure, but 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 I don't think he's, he's, he's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think he's somewhere in the middle, but he's leaning the other way. Petrino's a scumbag. Like, in terms of the, I just have to, I got to take the other side on the the text thing, because I see people, it's, it sucks for the kids, but it's hard to keep that, that stuff. Like, he's not, the word gets out, and then what do you do? Like, how how do you handle it? I'm sure he would have loved to have told him first. Well, I'm sure he would, well... I mean, Billy, this is Brian Kelly we're talking about, Billy, so I don't know. Billy had um, a team meeting, and it happened after. I'm sure he would have loved to have done it first. It's just sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't happen. That's, that is true. That is true. I still don't know if sending out a text. I would rather he would have gotten back in town today, had the team meeting, and looked them all in the eye, and let that be the first thing face as opposed to a damn text message if he says we're having a team meeting and they're they're hearing it everywhere you just, well, you sure just i mean should, i mean look wait and not put when, it all when in the billy text. when billy had his te- his his staff meet or his uh, team meeting on sunday they all knew why they were having a team meeting sure and so notre dame when that okay now they know because an announcement's been made but you still tell them face to face you gotta you and, and I realize he's going to do that today, but he's already sent a text. I thought it was a bad move. Well, it's it's comparable. It's it's comparable to someone breaking up with you, and then they're like, "But let's let's meet in person so you can have some closure." Like they probably shouldn't have done it on the phone or via text. They should have just, even though you know you're about to get dumped. Like I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I just. I, I feel like some people are, are 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 blaming him for some things that were like the word getting out, and that's not that's that's beyond a coach's control in today's college football. Even though the news came out of freaking nowhere, like suddenly it was like, oh, Brian Kelly's in the mix. Oh, he's, I want He's now hired. I want to see how LSU spins this. I want to see if if they suggest he was the first. Yes, place all along. Yes, <laughs> I want to see if they suggest that, and I won't be surprised if they do. Fifteen million dollars, really? That's, that's if that if that there. figure is accurate, that is that's gross. There's there's other reports that say it's 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 ten, it's a hundred million dollars, ten years, 
And then there's some others that say up to 15 mil a year, like. Maybe depending on incentives. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, let's say it's. But, but 15 mil is, is I mean, you're, suddenly he's the highest paid coach in college football. Let's say 10, mil, uh, uh, 10 years, 100 million. Let's, let's say that. Okay. Okay. LSU has just committed $100 million to a football coach that fans are already polarized about. And every time we're paying this guy a hundred million, it's not going to be fans aren't going to say 10. They're going to say a hundred million dollars. This is the same LSU. Okay. That just a year ago said that, Oh, we've, we've lost $60 million because of COVID here. Give us some money. And now they're going to offer a guy, guarantee a guy a hundred million dollars. It's gross. It's gross. Is it gross that the boosters are giving their money? I, look, you know, rich people can do whatever they damn please with their yeah, money. Yeah. Okay. But don't be hypocritical, LSU. Don't go whining and say, look, uh, we're taking this big. Because let me tell you, I guarantee you when they said we, we lost $40 million, I, I guarantee you they didn't get $40 million. And now they're committing $100 million to somebody who half the fan base already doesn't like. And guess what? That probably ain't going to change. So you don't think he's going to win? No, I think he may win. But is he going to win for 10 years? Till he's 70? I don't know. Winning is a relative term at some schools. That's correct. And LSU is one of them. Um if you're look, if you're winning conference championships and you're in the college football playoff every year, and I say every year because this thing's getting ready to expand, you know, I think that's the floor for LSU fans. Be in the college football playoff every year. No. Once it expands. I'm telling you, oh, Scott. Oh, once it expands. Yes. Okay. okay. He um You said that polarizing, divided, mixed. Do you feel like that would be the case with the LSU fan base regardless of the hire? No. No. I I think had they been able to get the names that were being talked about, whether it was Jimbo or... Oof, there were a lot of people that did not want Jimbo. Right. Or Lincoln Riley, who everybody seemed to be pretty excited about. Um the, the the names that were being mentioned, I don't think would have been near as polarizing as this. Part of it too is there was no if if you give if his name had been in the mix the whole time, I the reaction's still strong. There is something to like when it's out of nowhere. It's just this coming 24 hours after Lincoln Riley's like I'm heading to LA and 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 Billy's hired at Florida and all this other stuff and people that you know message boards were running rampant talking about it being Brian Kelly and just kind of like out of nowhere added to the added to to what you saw I mean there are some there are some funny jokes out there about Twitter the best part of Twitter is the jokes I don't care what anyone says you know like 
First time Ryan Kelly tries gumbo when he's at a recruit's house and it's the Idris Elba clip of him eating like spicy wings and coughing and cursing. I mean, there's there was so much of that that had me laughing so <laughs> yeah, hard so, last some, night. Some of that stuff was pretty funny. Uh, all right, uh, Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. If you want to email the show, you can uh, call us 337-269-1077 and uh, you can uh, hit us up via Twitter at ESPNLafayette is the handle. Let's take a quick phone call. Good morning. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, guys. I'm listening to you guys about the reporting of the LSU hire. And, um, you know, I'm listening to a lot of people in reference to, you know, it's almost like you driving a car across the United States of America and you're closing your eyes and you're doing 75 mile per hour. And the car gets to go anywhere it wants. So it goes north, south, east, and west, and all around, et cetera, et cetera. The point I'm trying to make is, is this. LSU's folks who were responsible, in my opinion, this is my opinion, who was responsible to hire their football coach, apparently Lincoln Riley, Billy Napier, the guy over there in, in Michigan and everybody else that could have been on that list, even the Baylor coach, apparently they didn't want none of them. I'm not saying that they didn't sit at the negotiating table and they couldn't make ends meet. They didn't meet all the way to where a, a decision was made. I think they didn't want any of them. And, and by doing such a thing, while not being able to select one of them, then they were stuck with nothing else. What? I will I will say this again, right. my opinion. All right, Coach. No, give me a second, guys. Can I get a second? Can yeah. I get a second? Here's you've had, the, about, you've, the, you've had almost five minutes. Go ahead, quick. No, no, I just started. I had less than six no. seconds, guys. Give me a break. Give me a break. No, you had about listen, three You've had opinion. about three minutes, no, you're, and you're not making any sense. Y'all don't want to hear the truth. Y'all know everything, so go ahead and do it. Thank okay. you. Okay, all right. Hey, why are you being so mean to Coach Mitch? I'm sorry. Why are you being mean to him? Sorry. He wouldn't make any sense at all. Well, he I, he did contradict himself. He said they didn't want any of those guys, and then he said, well, they were ended up being stuck with after the guys. Yeah. Said, no. You know, I, I think when you look at... Now, Jimbo, you put aside. When I look at the other guys, Mel Tucker, okay, Dave Aranda, um, Billy Napier, um, those are the first three that come to mind, but... There, there may be others. You at least were going to bring somebody in with some character and some integrity. And I just get the point that LSU didn't care about that. And they proved that when all of that Title IX crap started and Verge Osbury, who should have been fired immediately, didn't get to go to two home games. That was his punishment. They don't care at LSU if any of this stuff happens, they're not going to care that they're getting ready to go on probation and lose scholarships because you think Brian Kelly's going to get a pass because of that? No, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. There is, and I've been saying this since they announced that Ogeron was leaving. There is a toxicity in that athletic program and at that university 
that nobody seems to care whether it gets cleaned up or not. Except maybe the new chancellor. I don't know if he would have gone there. How strong the interest was one way or another, because they're just conflicting reports everywhere. I said many times to people, said it over the weekend on social media, that if Billy Napier had gone there, it was exactly what LSU needed because he is a culture changer and builder, and he's got incredible management skills, which you need as a head coach at a a D1 program with, with all of the different, you know, intricacies of of an sec team like the perfect fit now again i don't know again florida's florida's got their guy and he's gonna do great there and i said yesterday it's not gonna happen year one two he'll win games he's not gonna suddenly have him in the playoff but once he builds it with the foundation he wants by year four and five they're going to be one of the better teams in the country i you know as far as Aranda, i don't know enough about mel tucker aranda i think has shown he's you, you talk to guys that played for him. I mean, good good character. They say you know he's a little he's he's his personality is somewhat odd, but he is a good a good dude and, and a hell of a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's doing good things at Baylor. But um, there was some direction, and who knows? Maybe that was their goal. You know, they're going to say that Brian Kelly was their first choice. That's what they're going to say. That's what they. I mean, well, hell, Joe Oliva said that Coach O was the first choice. Um, I. And everyone's going to act like they had the news and they knew and this and that and the other. I don't know what Lincoln Riley would have done there. Seems to be a good offensive mind, but uh, but Brian Kelly is. You're right when you say you know, uh, it, it, if he wins, all this stuff about Coach O and his off the field life. None of that gets highlighted the way it does if LSU had just kept winning. Or if it did get highlighted, it would have been propped up as, look how cool this is. Mm -hmm. Right? You're losing. Suddenly it's, man, you know, look at him. He's too worried about Chase and Tail and all this. Instead of winning games, when you're winning, negatives get spun as positive. A lot of stuff gets overlooked. Or or it just gets spun as, like, funny or cool or acceptable. You know, a peanut butter and onion sandwich is going to taste delicious if you're winning. And... You're losing all of that stuff just it's like throwing gas on a fire, man. It just it, it ignites a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go to my grave saying that if Billy Napier was the coach at UCF, having the kind of success he had at UL, he would be LSU's coach right now. You think so? Yes. I think there was. They were never going to lower themselves. You think it's the ego? Yes, absolutely, it's the ego. Well, if you're right, they'll regret it. Um, I, I'll tell you who's not going to regret, and I, and I think that's Florida. And, and, you know, I made the comment on Billy's radio show last night, which, by the way, the place was packed. It was great. Um, the day that found out that Sanford had put 42 in the first half on Florida, I said, oh, gosh, we're about to lose our football coach. <laughs> and this was two weeks before Mullen got fired. Um, because I knew Florida was a fit for Billy. The, the, other, the other schools that, he, that, that flirted with him, I said consistently, okay, I don't think that's quite right. I think Florida is the right job for him. 
And when that became open, I said, okay, you know, just a matter of time now. And I couldn't be happier for him. Um, he was he was a bit emotional last night with the reaction mm-hmm. that he got from people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, right at the end of the show as well, when, you know, I said goodnight and he got a standing ovation from the people that were there. And then everybody wanted to take a picture with him. And Billy, who's very... You know, tunnel vision, it's job. Blinders on, you know, wait the moment. It's wait, wait, I got to go spend a half hour over there. Well, let's a half hour. I could, he He was gracious. He was gracious. Everybody who wanted to take a picture, he took a picture with all of them. And then when it was over, he left and, um, he was, he was very moved by last night. And I, um, I couldn't be happier. For him and his family. And I texted him right when Sunday when, when it all came down. And when I interviewed him on Friday before the ULM game, I uh, interview was over and I said, everybody's asking. I'm not going to ask. When you got something to tell me, you'll tell me. And he said, I really appreciate that. And uh, yesterday I saw him. Of course, he did a his Sunbelt Conference press conference. And I happened to, to get to the office right at the end of that. And uh, he, all right, thanks. Oh, thank you very much. And he gets up and he sees me, walked over, he said, give me a hug. You know, and, uh, you know, he's he's such a good human being. Um, and he's a very good football coach. And now I told the people, I, I did an interview yesterday. Okay, it was a station in Jacksonville. I said, all you starstruck people are in for a rude awakening. Because Billy's going to recruit good football players that also have great character, that are committed to academics, that are all of these things. I said, and he will walk away from a five-star if it doesn't fit the bill for what he wants at the University of Florida. Somebody who's going to be a good teammate. I said, he'll, he'll walk away from the me guys. And he said, the fans are going to freak out. And I said, but hide and watch. And, and they will because... Florida Gator fans are, um, they don't have the best rep. Billy has the personality to not worry about that kind of stuff. Right. Well, how, I would hear that a lot. I hear that from LSU fans. Because, I, look, I, knew, I know a lot of LSU fans. I know people that are alums, people that played and coached there. And they wanted Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. They've been talking about him. They're like, well, how would he do with, the, with this and, and the media scrutiny? I'm like, that, that stuff, I don't think it'll bother him. Right. He'll 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 address things and he'll it's it's not he will not let that dictate any decision or day to day. Uh, if if it's heating up, he'll he'll answer things. He'll never throw gas on the fire and he'll just get back to work. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in year two, if they're six and three, nine games in Gator fans, oh, blah, 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 blah. Not going to bother. Him. Um, it's going to take a little time. But I, I am interested is, to see what the terms of the stuff. contract. I hadn't, yeah, he, I hadn't heard. No one has. Now, he hit it to me yesterday when I asked him, uh, and he got emotional when I asked him about his talk with the team, when I asked him about, you know, what the community's meant to his family. A lot of people listening were like, man, I was getting choked up. Um, but he, he, he didn't give, obviously, specific details, he said. But when the news comes out, you know, because I said, why? You've, you've been approached by, by, by a number of schools. It's not a secret. Why, why is this the one? And he said, 
you'll you know people will see when when details come out but commitment to everything it takes to provide the right kind of culture and the right staff and i i've i've, I've consistently said you know for billy i think autonomy of staff is when you talk about checking off a, a, a list and you're checking off boxes of what he wants that might be the one all the way at the top. And um, it has always been the pool of money for assistance and support staff has always been more important to Billy than his salary. And I'm not going to be surprised if he took a little less for himself to make sure that he had what he needed in order to get in order to get it done. And I won't be surprised if that's the case. If it, you know, the, it may come out and it may wait. That's all they're paying him. If if that is the case, it I, I guarantee you, it's because he said I'll take a little less if you put a little more here. Sure, sure. I mean, it's 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 funny. Um, ben Love, who's a really nice guy, I saw he had on uh, on Facebook last night. He, he went he went and took his his baby son and, and he had a picture with him and Billy and he's like, never thought I'd be somebody that would be taking a picture with the head coach of university of Florida and, and rooting for him. But the guy's got such great integrity and all. And you know, it was, it was, it was just the common theme, right? The common message. And I don't look, I don't know who you else hiring next and there'll be speculation and talk in coming days. And Dr. Maggard, or maybe even this hour, Dr. Maggard <laughs> has been, I doubt it. Dr. Maggard has been, um, he's done a good job with his head coaching hires. Yes. I mean, obviously, Billy Napier is number one, but you look at Glasgow, you look at Chrissy Gray in year one. And Lance Key, I know they didn't have the season this year. That, that but he's the right for. guy. I, I, I think you see, you see a foundation there, yep. right? Mm-hmm. This is going, it, whoever he hires as head coach isn't, it's not, it's not, they're not taking over the program that Billy took over. It's, it's a top 25 team that's in a good place. But because he has to fill Billy's shoes, this might this might be Brian's most difficult hire yet. Uh, because it's not just a football hire, which by nature you could always argue what's the most important hire. But filling those shoes, man, that's he um he's done a good job with it. So I'm not here suggesting he won't. I'm just saying it's going to be his most difficult one yet. You know, I um Gosh, I walked in last night and I immediate Jay, who's going to be the new coach? And I told that person, I said, look, let me tell you something. Last time I was digging, I was making phone calls, I was talking to people, I was spending probably too much time on it. Napier came out of nowhere. And the first time that I heard the name Billy Napier is when I saw on Twitter that he had been offered the job and I said, Arizona State? What the hell? So I've already said, I ain't making phone calls this time. If somebody, people want to call me and tell me what they've heard, I'll listen. But Brian Maggard will let us know who the new coach is. And, and, and we may once again go, who? Because what, what was it that Buckley had 21 names? Okay. It may not be any of those 21, but it might be. You 35 know. after the hour. Why, why, were you, why were you so rude to Mitch earlier, man? Shut up. Coach Mitch just wanted to give his thoughts. 
Make your point. The analogy was terrible. I'm sorry. Nice guy. Analogy was terrible. When fit matters, that coming your way next. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the great Scott Show. Scott Braithor, Jay Walker. Uh, official news, um, Brian Kelly's contract with LSU, Jay, 10 years, $95 million. Includes a lot of incentives. He'll officially be introduced at a press conference right, Nine point five tomorrow. Million. That's still way too much money. And uh, he was making 2.67 mil annually at Notre Dame. Big raise. Um, in terms of fit, I mean, I you know, if you win, I guess it doesn't matter in football. In basketball, LSU hired Trent Johnson years ago. He won and left because the fit just wasn't there. Um, fit. Billy Napier fit at UL. He's won a lot, but in terms of his family and his approach to life, things like that, and he has said as much. Uh, reflecting here over the last couple of days about what the community's meant, and then he gets right back down to it, and he gets back to work because there is a huge game Saturday. He's done a lot of things. He's checked a lot of boxes, as has his staff and team since he's been there. One they haven't checked yet is outright Sunbelt Conference champions. Last time the Cajuns won an outright conference championship was 53 years ago. 53 years ago. And... um Yes, that's the box that hasn't been checked. And I think it has kind of eaten at him <laughs> that the box hasn't been checked. Now, look, last year they'd have checked that box because there's not a doubt in my mind that it beaten Coastal Carolina like a stepchild. And, and it wouldn't, I don't think the game would have been close. Billy told me later he's never had a team as prepared to play as that team was. Appalachian State's a good football program and a good football team. Cajuns whooped up on them pretty good and was maybe the most surprising game of the entire year. App State's better than that. App State, since then, the only close game they played was against Coastal Carolina, a team that they beat while they were nationally ranked. And they've just kicked the dog out of just about everybody else. And they are chomping at the bit to get a second chance. Yeah. But you know what? The Cajuns were chomping at a bit to get the second chance the first two years. All right? You go, you lose, you play them again, and you lose again because they were better. And I think the Cajuns are better. And I think playing at home is going to help. Um, look, it's not going to be a 41-14 to 14 game. I expect this to be a very close game. And in my opinion... The team that gives up the fewest big plays is going to win the football game. Going to be a low-scoring game, Scott. 2.30, Cajun Field. Pre-game against the 1230 uh, here on ESPN Lafayette from Learfield. But get to Cajun Field. Tailgating will be happening, but a Sunbelt Conference championship. Cajun walk happening. at 12.10. Billy's last stroll down Reinhardt so Drive. I wasn't sure that they got to do that because of it they're being doing a conference it. thing. Yes, well, that's great. Doing. That's great to hear. I know it's some. It's different when it's a, a, a conference running 
a game as opposed to the school itself. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, go get your tickets. Go to the Cajun Dome. You can get them online. Be there. Be there. And a lot of chatter about what about the bowl game and the worry about all that on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday we'll find out. You know, and and, and it probably will be New Orleans, but worry about all that Sunday. The reason we talked about this last uh, two weeks ago, the reason you haven't had nearly as much chatter about the Cajuns and the bowl is because the focus, it seems certainly from the team this year, but I even think from the fan base as well has been what's coming up Saturday. It's getting to a conference championship game, getting to host the conference championship game and winning a conference championship. And yeah, I know from a storyline standpoint, some are hoping it would be coastal, but you got an opponent that you faced off in a conference championship game multiple times. Here you go again. Outside of Coastal's year last year, these have been the premier teams in the Sun Belt over the last four years. Appalachian State's the gold standard in this league. And they've never lost a conference championship game. Um, the Cajuns have are kind of becoming that. But... Um, you got to beat them when it's all on the line in order to be able to say the king is dead, long live the king. All right, give me, before we let you go, Jay, give me your number one key to this game. You said... I just said it. Big play, keep big it Big plays. Gotta, you got to stay away from big plays. So get the big play, prevent the big play. Because what I read into that is it's going to be a grinded out type of game. So when you can get it in a chunk, that's going to make all the difference in the world in a game like this. I, I think so. And, you know, the Cajuns did a great job of not allowing the big play the last time the two teams played. Um, Cajuns aren't going to score 41. Uh, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Team that uh, team that keeps, uh, keeps the guys in front of them wins. Jay Walker will have the call for you along with Gerald Broussard, Cody Juno on the sideline, Sunbelt Conference Championship. Isn't that exciting? Yes, sir. Thanks for coming in, my friend. Thanks for having me. Dan Patrick is next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.